Next on BYU Sports Nation, Ty Detmer is out as offensive coordinator. What's your reaction and who is in the mix to replace him? Blaine Fowler makes his weekly appearance in Studio B. What was his reaction to the Detmer news and what is his criteria for the new OC? Plus, we have a place saved in Studio B for Elijah Bryant. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. What is good? BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU Front. Fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 28th. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is still on Hawaiian time. So I'm joined by new Broadway playwright, Jason Shepard. Yes, but the last couple of days in uh, in New York City, Brooklyn, Queens, surrounding areas. I don't know. You just feel like now. I just feel like I, you know, want to write a play. Yeah. You know. What's your favorite like, take, borough? Take the subway. Yeah. What's your favorite borough? Um, uh, Manhattan's a borough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. That's where all the good stuff. Is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Never been there. Was Everyone really cool. watching in the other boroughs is like, oh, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. My favorite borough is North Florida, actually. They joke that it's the seventh yes. borough. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Good times, good stuff, by the way, uh, in Thank Brooklyn. Uh, BYU you. played a pair of games there. Jason was there to call the games on BYU Radio. It was awesome. I absolutely and loved the, it. And the second game was great. BYU's real issue is they should have started a fight and then caused <laughs> Alabama to play with three players, like Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> later that night. That's I'm, a bad joke around I'm, these parts, I'm, I know. I'm checking Twitter, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? What happened? I was just there like two hours ago. What happened? Colin Sexton scored 40 against Minnesota, <laughs> but like 10 against BYU. Yeah. Mm. BYU did the exact same things to uh, Lawan Pipkins. Now, he's not as good as Colin Sexton. Yeah, good defense. But uh, Pipkins, who's a guy that was averaging over 21 points, or he's averaging 21 points, and they held him to, like, half that. Yeah. It's pretty nice. Good defense. good defense. BYU brings home a win. We will talk to Elijah Bryant, by the way, the leading scorer, coming up on the show. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yesterday, BYU head coach Kalani Satake announced Ty Detmer is no longer the offensive coordinator. Detmer was the OC the past two seasons. The search for a new offensive coordinator is officially underway. All coaches, including Detmer, do remain under contract. The new offensive coordinator will make the decision regarding the future of the offensive staff. Much more coming up in What's Trending and with Blaine Fowler on Ty Detmer. The, the reaction... Was this a good move, and who's in the mix to replace him, and when do we think this could happen? BYU Hoops plays at Utah Valley tomorrow at 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Pre-game coverage with Jason Shepard starts at 8. Tomorrow, big game. BYU lost this game last year. The Cougars in the state of Utah until January. And by the way, tonight's the debut of BYU Basketball with Dave Rose, featuring Luke Worthington, hosted by Greg Rubel at 8 Eastern on BYU TV. And BYU Radio, we've got a fresh-looking court for our set. It's it is awesome. Ready looking. to go. I can't wait for it tonight. You and I are going to go play. Uh, We're going to play pickup on that. We're going to yeah. play pickup. Get a Nerf hoop or something. I'm sure it will be completely okay by everybody who's involved in that new court. Uh, I'm going to talk to the producer. He thinks it's all right. <laughs> Ronnie Jones, Perry, Mary Lake, and Cozy Burnett were named to the All WCC First Team. Mary Lake also named Defender of the Year, while Kennedy Redding was named the Freshman of the Year. Now Lindy Haddock and McKenna Miller were both All WCC honorable mentions. The Cougars, by the way. Host the opening two rounds of the NCAA tournament on Friday and Saturday. BYU will play American 
Friday night at the Smithfield House. Defender of the year is better than That's defensive awesome. player of the year. Yeah, that is awesome. Defender of the year, like she beat out Luke Cage and Jessica no. Jones and yeah, like, Daredevil. Like, yeah, like this Iron year, Fist. there's one person that defends it. <laughs> it is Mary Lake. It is Mary She Lake. is our defender. Exactly. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Detmer is out. Yesterday on the show, we discussed our off-season to-do list. My number one item was to figure out the coaching staff, whether that meant firing, reassigning, hiring, etc. Little did we know that 50 minutes later, the news would drop about Ty Detmer. Now Detmer, one of the princes of Provo, as I called him, uh, he's maybe the number one guy in that category, the only Heisman Trophy winner, a man who returned to BYU, who came home, some said, to be the offense coordinator, is no longer the guy. 23 short months as the OC at BYU. After two seasons calling the shots on offense, and after one of the worst seasons in school history in many regards, mostly on offense, Ty Detmer is out. Ty Detmer tweeted the following last night. Although I'm disappointed I won't have the opportunity to turn things around as the OC, I'll always be grateful for to Kalani for giving me the opportunity to return to BYU and coach there. I want to thank those that have supported me through these past two seasons. I love the people I've been able to work with these past two years and wish everyone the best. At this time, I don't know what the future holds for our family, but I'll always be proud to be a Cougar. And that brings us to today's Twitter question. What was your reaction to Ty Detmer being relieved of offensive coordinator duties? First tweet coming in from at Greg Rosenhand. Shocked. Year one was about implementing his scheme. Year two was about refining his scheme, but was plagued with injuries. In my opinion, year three, we would have started to see great improvement. That from at Greg Rosenhan. What's your reaction to this, Jason? I was surprised. Um, without question, I was surprised. Uh, I fully expected Detmer to return. And maybe it's the fan in me, but it hurts to see that guy in particular not have success at BYU. I will say this, though. As the head coach, Kalani Satake has every right to make the decision that he feels is in the best interest of the program. Nobody knows kind of the ins and outs of the program more than the head coach. And if he feels this is the right move, then he deserves the benefit of the doubt uh, in making this decision. It, it stinks that arguably the best quarterback BYU has ever had is in this situation two years after being fired. Because like I said, all we've known from Ty Detmer at BYU is success. So it, it's just it's just weird that this it's uncomfortable. Did, that it just it didn't work out. Yeah. That that's it, I was surprised. I didn't see this coming. I really didn't. You're right. It is awkward, and I think there needs to be a separation of Ty the player and Ty the coach, because Ty Detmer the player. What BYU fan doesn't like Ty Detmer? He won the Heisman. I, I I've called him the Prince of Provo. Like he is one of the most likable characters in BYU history. Ty the player will always be a huge part of BYU, but Ty the coach was not cutting it. I, like you, am surprised. I agree. I thought he'd get one more year, one more shot at it, and clearly those numbers were not going to be tolerated in spite of injuries. I don't think that what happened to BYU football rests solely on Ty Detmer. However, he's taking the biggest fall for what happened uh, here. I thought other assistants would take the fall at the end of the day. I really would, uh, did, but it makes makes – Enough sense for me, I guess, given the numbers. It's just awkward because it's Ty. Yeah, because it's Ty it's Detmer. It's awkward because it's yes. Ty Detmer. Having gone out on the road uh, with the team in the Fan Fest and, and, and bowl games and whatnot, this guy's a superstar, okay? So it's a little awkward from, from that. And I like Ty personally. In fact, 
Who knows if he's still going to be the quarterback's coach? It's a little awkward to keep somebody on like that, but it's that may definitely, still happen. It's a possibility. It depends if the next offensive coordinator wants to keep Ty Detmer. I wouldn't be shocked if Ty Detmer was a quarterback's coach in the NFL somewhere. Like, he, he played 14 years. He won a Heisman. That's certainly in the mix. But let's discuss uh, the second angle here. Was this the right move for BYU right now? <sighs> Look, I mean, after the the offensive performance that we saw last year, ultimately it's going to come down to the person in charge of the offense. So, in, whether you're injured or not, whether you're injured or not, I mean, it's that's that's just what this that's just the way this business works. So, from that standpoint, you you can't argue with it. In terms of is it the right move, you really can't answer that until you find out what happens next who the hire is, how yeah. that plays out. Yeah, can it get worse? That, that's, that, it, it's a really difficult question to answer because right now we don't know what Coach Satake is looking at in terms of who he's going to hire and what that person brings in the scheme and how that meshes with personnel. So right now it's hard to say if it was the right move or not because we just don't know what, what's next. I don't think the offense can get worse than what it was this year. So whoever comes in and whatever they do – It'll be better than this last year. Like, it would be epic. <laughs> Wait, BYU doesn't want to turn into Utah and fire the OCs every year. That's, that's not what you want to do. Well, technically, it, it, there, there is still a little room to go down. Oh, sure. It's part of our stat of the day. Okay. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is 124th nationally in points per game at 17.1. Schools below BYU, Rice, San Jose State, Illinois, Charlotte, Kent State, and UTEP. So, technically, you could still go down. Do we expect that? Certainly not. You're always going to be better on offense yes, they, ne- yes, ne- they. next year. Just, just because you can't get much worse. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I thought they would be better even with Detmer as OC. I thought yeah. they would still be better next year. And they took a step backward. It makes sense when you lose an NFL backfield and Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. But BYU took multiple steps backwards. Some, some, what was Ty's role in that? What was injuries role in that? What was inexperience, uh, inexperience's role in that? I, I, I don't know, but all of it accounted for a four and nine record, and that won't be tolerated, and that message is clear. And, and you see the rankings in certain sets. Like, sixth lowest in points per game? S- no. Not not cool. Uh, 104th in rush yards, so you're bottom 25. That's not going to cut it. It's not. BYU was bad on third down. That happens when you don't have the school's leading rusher and the most athletic, dynamic, two-way player uh, rusher off, uh, at quarterback BYU's ever had. So naturally, BYU is going to take a step back, but they took too many steps backwards. See, I still go back to the fact that as the head coach, Kalani Sataki knows his program more than anybody else. And you know, as well as I do, that letting go of a legend or relieving him of his duties was not an easy decision. Oh, sure. But if, he, if Kalani feels that it was the best decision for this program, then everybody needs to give him the benefit of the doubt. He knows this program more than anybody, better than anybody else. He's in this every day, and if he feels this is the right move, then you have to give him the benefit of the doubt of it. Who is in the mix to replace Ty Detmer, an offensive coordinator? Coming up, we will give you some names that are out there that are in the mix. That's coming up. But let's go to Twitter. 
Use hashtag BYUSN. Join BYU Sports Nation. What is your reaction to Ty Emmer being relieved of offensive coordinator duties? It's winter time. At T. Whitezell, scapegoat. He ends up being the scapegoat for the 2017 season. Whether that's fair or not, that's kind of what's happened, barring more moves, uh, changes on the defensive side of the ball. Because as of now, uh, everyone's good for the defensive side of the ball. We'll see. We'll tell you about the early signing period and what role that may play in the timing of the hiring as well. Uh, At Brute DR, heartbroken but not surprised. Offensive production was among the worst in the country. Feels like a change needed to be made. Now, I agree 1,000% with that. I didn't think it'd be Ty Detmer, though. No, I didn't. I thought it would be other assistant coaches, maybe. So I, I agree on that. At Loyal to the Royal, this was the risk of hiring Ty Detmer. If it didn't go well, it would... It wouldn't be easy to let him go. If it was anyone else, no one would be questioning it. Hopefully the new hire will bring a positive change. Now, remember when Robert and I was let go in 2010? He was not as likable a figure, although he was pretty productive on the field, but 2010, BYU took a step back. The likability of a coach affects your reaction to a hiring or not. Ask Tennessee about that right now. (laughs) The likability effect... The likability of Kalani Sataki is really high, by the way. If you didn't like Kalani and BYU at 4-9, you'd be calling for his job. But he is so likable that you give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, at uh, Julie Killian 4, Julie says, big mistake. Julie not in favor of the decision. There are people who feel that way. Sure. I, I think a lot of people are upset at how the offense performed, how the team ended up this year, and the offense you know, was, was certainly a thorn in the side of BYU's progress uh, in that case. But... There's this awkward friction between Ty the player yeah. and Ty the coach. That, and that's, I think, honestly, that's what I'm having the hardest time with is because that is the guy that I, I mean, when I became a big BYU fan, when we moved to Utah, that was Detmer's era. And my first game was with Detmer as a quarterback. So that was where my BYU fandom began. And so, it's like I said, it's difficult to see Detmer be at BYU and not be successful. It's difficult. It's hard to, hard to let him go. He's not going to be around as much anymore. Yep. Coming up a little bit later, Elijah Bryant from BYU Hoops joins us to talk about the very eventful trip to Brooklyn and looking ahead to UVU. And what happened in a in, uh, stuck elevator? <laughs> and what's Blaine Fowler's reaction? And was this the right move in his opinion for BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We are simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation is happening right now on Twitter. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. I'm excited. Tonight's the debut of BYU Basketball with Dave Rose on BYU TV and BYU Radio. You can tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern time for Dave Rose, show hosted by Greg Rubel. Player guest today, Luke Worthington. Uh, One of the... Uh, really bright spots early in the season. I've been impressed with yes. Luke. He's been a starter, yeah. and uh, we, we did some interviews with some of his teammates, <laughs> and uh, you helped with that. And uh, <laughs> the nicknames for him, like... Are we going to run some of that tonight? Mr. Steal Yo Girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's coming up tonight. Check it out. It so good. Our Twitter question, what's your reaction to Ty Detmer being relieved of offensive coordinator duties? At Twig Stone, tough situation for all. Things were going in the wrong direction to f- offensively, and something had to change. 
Sad to see Ty go and his replacement better perform. If not, move will be seen as reactionary. Yeah, and absolutely, the reaction to the season uh, and maybe the last two were, were part of that. Let's get uh, Blaine Fowler's opinion now on uh, Ty Detmer being relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator. Pretty wild to see an OC go after two years at BYU. Yeah, especially at BYU because at BYU you go out. Remember, there, there was a complete philosophical change in offensive philosophy. And so when, when this group came in on offense, it was like, okay, we, we need to go to a more a ball control, a la Stanford, Wisconsin type of a offense. We need to kind of philosophically change the kind of linemen. We need to get pro-style drop-back quarterbacks, not the kind that Robert and I recruited to run the go-fast, go-hard, spread option type. So you go into any other school – and you go, okay, in a couple years, their, their guys should be juniors or registered sophomores, and now they should be able to run the system. But at BYU, you go recruit kids for your offense. They all go on missions, and then it, it takes longer. And so you, you would think you have to have more patience at BYU. But, I mean, you look at is Ty coaching one single kid that he recruited right now this last two years? I don't think there was a freshman out of high school that I don't, I don't had a think, role I don't in the I don't think he's coached a single player that he's recruited – into his offense and so so that's what surprised me I I thought at BYU you get maybe a little longer and I think they needed to do some things to change some things up Um, so you know perhaps you because remember this is the year in January where the NCAA allows you to add another coach do you reassign some people to to do do different things do you bring do you bring a we call him a gray hair but a a veteran person in to help with the offense and and make him a co-coordinator I mean I, I think there were a lot of options um to change things up, to kind of oversee things, to bring someone with more experience in, to kind of manage this. Um, so I was surprised. I was I was very surprised. And you know what? We won't know if it's a good decision until later on. I, I think if the person that comes in as the OC wants to go a completely different direction, because now they've just recruited two years to this offense, then you start running into the Uni- University of Utah School of Offensive Thinking, where Kyle Whittingham is. Ch- How many offensive coordinators has he had? I believe it's seventy-eight. So, and you want to know what? They have not been good on offense since Urban Meyer left. Period. And I attribute it to you can't change offensive coordinators every couple years. Now, I'm not saying that that's the path that BYU is going down. But, but you're afraid it's. But I that worry. Direction? I worry that if if you don't go in a similar direction, where you go, no, no, we're going to go the spread now. Well, we, they just stopped recruiting the kind of, you know, a different kind of quarterback because they want to get back to a drop-back game, which, which, by the way, my personal opinion is that, that we need to be more like Stanford and Wisconsin because what I think we can recruit consistently over time is drop-back quarterbacks, really, really quality tight ends, big offensive linemen that can dominate line of scrimmage. We can get good physical running backs. Um, but I don't know that we can consistently stock our cupboard with wide receivers to run four wides. Gary Croton tried that, and we really, really struggled. Worked for one year. Right. So we really struggled. Um, so I don't know that that's the answer. Um, I think that the philosophical change they were making is a good fit for BYU because of what they can recruit. And, and so whoever comes in here, if they divert from what they recruited to the last couple of years and do something completely different, it's like you're starting all over again with recruiting. So we'll see. What we, what we do know, according to the, the release yesterday, was that whoever is hired will have to make the decision on what remaining staff stays. So 
there is a possibility that whoever the OC is comes in and says, hey, Detmer, would you like to stay in this capacity? So I guess if you were Detmer, if asked to stay, would you stay? See, I don't know. If, if I was the new OC, I would want Ty to stay. And, and, and the reason I would want him to stay is, first of all, he's a great football mind. Second of all, he's one of the best recruiters BYU has. When he walks into a home, he, you know, he he's, got, he's got credibility yeah. immediately, and he wins parents over. And if you don't have Ty Detmer at all, do you keep either of the two highly touted quarterback recruits that we have in the pipeline right now? I don't know because I, think I no on one of them for sure. Yeah, and and I was I was listening uh, or, or reading. I hope he still comes. I was reading Kalen Hall's comments yesterday, and it was like his son, who's coming off a mission, he basically said he was coming to BYU because he wanted to play quarterback for Ty Detmer. And so, so you got even though he had committed pre Ty, right? But Ty it's Detmer. like this is the guy, man. This is this is what we want. You know, Dinkelman for sure. That's a, that's at risk now, and he's a yes, he's a phenomenal player because that's a kid that was offered by LSU a long time ago. So he has he can go where he wants to go. I think if he re, you know, put it out there and said, "Hey, my uncle's not there anymore, so I'm who, who wants me?" Oh, he he'll find a place, right? Um, and is it McKee out of out of correct out of California, right? Out of California. So these guys are coming to play, and and part of the lure is Ty Detmer. So if I'm the OC, and 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 Ty has no ego, so I, I think. Ty, if he wants to stay, Ty would step back and say, "Hey, let's let's do this this thing together." But he would I would be the highest paid quarterback yeah, coach in I, the country. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's what he wants to do. Right. So, so if I was the OC and I could convince him to do it, I'd want him to do it for recruiting purposes and have another really good mind. Um, because I don't think Ty's the kind of guy that's going to be vindictive and would try to undermine what you're doing. That's just not who he is. I mean, yeah, we, we all know him. He's yeah, not that kind it, of guy. It's amazing that but he has no. Email. I, I don't know that Ty wants to do that. You know, I, I think they had to do a lot of convincing to get him to come in the first place. He was perfectly comfortable on his ranch. He didn't need yeah. hey, to re- do. Bronco tried yeah. to get him to come yeah. to be the quarterback coach multiple times. But he was only going to come if he was the OC is my understanding. Right. So, and so he never came. Yeah. So, so now on the back end of this, is it, really, is it really what he wants to do? I know that he and Kim love being here. I know that the girls love being here. Um, Some of his daughters are in college. Right. So they, they, they like the environment, and maybe that's enough draw. Now, now that they're kind of out of Austin and, and up here, is that enough where somebody could convince them to stay? I, I don't know the answer. I haven't talked to Ty since yesterday. I, I'm, I'll, I'll try to catch up with him sometime this week. But um, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know what he's feeling or how he's, how he's going with this. But uh, um, that would be interesting. Certainly couldn't hurt to have a former Heisman Trophy winner still on your staff in recruiting, right? As long as his ego's in check enough – um, that the OC that comes in can do what he wants to do and not feel like he's being undermined. And any of us that know Ty Detmer, if Ty says, yeah, I'll stay, if he says he's in, the guy's in. It's just because he has – there's no guile in the guy and there's no ego in the guy. If, if he doesn't feel like he can do that, he'll just go, no, I'm out. I mean, I, that, that's how much I, I trust the character of Ty Detmer. So it'll be interesting. If he decides to stay, we can be assured that he's going to play a role and contribute and not undermine the OC. If he decides to go, that'll, that'll mean that he's going to say himself, no, I, I don't think I can do this. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Blaine Fowler is on BYU Sports Nation. You can watch Blaine and the guys on After Further Review tonight, the season finale of the show at uh, 7 Eastern time. Now we push forward to the new offensive coordinator. What type of offense and or play calling style are you thinking would be successful for BYU at this point? Because, and I want to start with this. The last two times we always tried to install a pro-style offense, it just hasn't worked. Brandon Doman had two years to do it, didn't work. Ty Demers had two years to do it, didn't work. 
Yet I know that you feel strongly that the pro style would work here. Well, but remember, Max Hall's offense with Dennis Pitta and Andrew George, it was a pro style offense. That wasn't go fast, go hard the first time with Robert and I. Yeah. That was, hey, wait a minute. We got two NFL tight ends. Let's, 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 run, let's run a ball control pass game. Well, they also happen to have Austin Collie. So the kind of offense you run, I think the BYU can recruit to a pro-style offense. Um, I, I think that that fits what they can recruit. But when you have players, you're, you're good. When you don't have players, you're not good. When Max Hall is playing quarterback and Austin Collie's playing wide receiver and Dennis Pitt is at tight end and Andrew George is at the other tight end, you're a really good offensive coordinator. So is it My more... mom's a good offensive coordinator when those four guys are on the offense. <laughs> I know your mom, and well, she is mom a good Well, mom could do a really good job, now, yes. Understand, my mom knows football way better is than a lot of people. Is your mom applying for this position? I'm not supposed to release that information. <laughs> yeah. play but, he or but she. But now that you brought it up, my mom is applying so, for the OSU. So, so are you inferring that maybe this season was less about scheme and more about personnel at this point? Well, I, I think they felt like they had the personnel – to run a two and three tight end offense. They spent the whole spring and all summer doing that. Then they lost Moroni. Then they lost Baldry. Then they lost Hunter. Then they. And Tukwafu. And, and, and they thought Tukwafu was going to be released, and Matt never, Matt never released him. And so now they were like, okay, Bushman. Now they, they thought Bushman was going to be good because he was really good in spring ball, but I don't think they had plans that this guy has to be the entire feature guy of the offense as a freshman. And so, yeah. Right? So they built an offense around that, and they were going to be under center. And then they get the starting quarterback hurt, and he can't go under center because he's completely immobile. And then, and then they think, you know what, though? We can – let's tailor the offense a little bit to Bo's skills because he can run around. So let's run a little bit of zone read. Let's, so let's tinker it just a little bit to accommodate him. Oh, and by the way, we don't have all the tight ends either. Oh, and now we're on our third running back by this time. And let's play Bo, and let's let him get hurt. And then – and then – Let's try to play coy and realize that, ooh, we'd have to completely change the offense and scrap it and run a full-on, completely different thing with him so that maybe that's not a good option. So let's, let's play the freshman. So now we're going to play the freshman that we really had no intention of playing whatsoever. Oh, and now we're to our sixth running back, and we still don't have the tight ends. But now the tight ends are starting to come back. So, so this offense had to change five times during the season. I don't, I don't care who the offensive coordinator was this year. Maybe a veteran wily guy that has been through a bunch of injuries in the past squeaks out six wins out of this thing. But you are not going to win football games with this schedule playing your freshman redshirt or redshirt quarterback that was supposed to redshirt, your number four tight end, and your last game of the season playing your number seven running back. Even eighth. Yeah. You're, right. yeah. Guys, you can't do it. It's impossible. So it's not the personnel that they had to start the year because they had a plan for that personnel. It's the crazy amount of injuries and disruption to it that, that I think changed things. Now, so, so there was an understanding to that end. Right. right? And, so, and so now, if you had a veteran guy that's been through the wars, you know, say Norm Chow was the offensive coordinator, who's probably had a season where he had a bunch of guys get hurt, would Norm have been better equipped to, to say, oh, this is, the, this is what you have to do when you have this, and this is how we have to change it? Probably Right, he probably would have been more equipped. Been through more. Been situations, through more. Yeah. When you've and, gone through things, you and, just understand things better. Right. It's just the way it is. But were they going to beat LSU, Wisconsin, Mississippi State? No one's beat Wisconsin. Right, Mississippi State, Utah, maybe maybe Utah. It wasn't those games that were the issue. I think. Right. I think it was ECU. I think it was but, Fresno State. But by the time we get to those teams, UMass. you've already played all those other teams, and you've yeah. added to your injury total. Yeah. Like guys, I've never seen anything like it, and I've been covering college football. 
for more than 30 years. I've never seen a team lose 20-plus people off their two deep and 30-plus injuries. To me, that's something that screams, what in the world is going on? Nobody loses that many players. So what are we doing? And I don't know, maybe they are doing an internal look because they have to. If they're not, then somebody better get on it. Every single injury needs to be documented. They need to find out why these guys got hurt, what the mechanism of the injury was, what that person – was he just back from a mission? Was he not back from a mission? What position did he play? Did we? They need to look for every trend they can possibly find because good programs don't lose that many kids. And is it because we're playing over our heads at the beginning of the season we just don't have the talent and we're getting hurt because we're playing above our heads? Maybe, maybe that is the answer. I don't know that that explains 30-some injuries. And yeah. so, so that, to me, is a bigger thing than anything else is – I don't care who the offensive coordinator is next year, and even though I think the talent level is going to pick up next year, if we end up playing eight running backs, five quarterbacks, there's a really good chance they won't be bowl eligible again next year. Yeah, that that screams, uh, you know, a losing record. Absolutely. Blaine, good stuff. We appreciate the time. Uh, one hour of Blaine Fowler coming up tonight at uh, 7 Eastern. Thanks, Blaine. All right, guys. After further review, 7 Eastern time tonight on BYU TV. Coming up, Elijah Bryant joins us in Studio B, recaps a pretty fun week in Brooklyn and looks ahead to UVU. And who's in the mix to be the new offensive coordinator and how quickly will BYU make this hire? We'll tell you what we think. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back. Jeremy Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere. Don't miss the final AFR of the season tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV. Dave, Blaine, David, and Brian look back on the season's final victory at Hawaii and look ahead to the offseason, which, as we've discussed, already includes looking for a new offensive coordinator. I've never seen Blaine Fowler more fired up. He was fired up, huh? He's pretty animated about uh, what's going down. So interesting times, interesting times. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yesterday, BYU head coach Kalani Satake announced Ty Detmer is no longer the offensive coordinator. Detmer was the offensive coordinator the past two seasons. The search for a new offensive coordinator is underway. All coaches, including Detmer, remain under contract. The new OC will make the decision regarding the future of the offensive staff. Be the guy that replaces the fired Heisman winner. That sounds tough. BYU Hoops plays at Utah Valley tomorrow at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Pre-game coverage with Jason Shepard right there. Mm-hmm. Starts at 8 Eastern tonight. Also tonight, the debut of BYU Basketball with Dave Rose featuring Luke Worthington. Mr. Steal Your Girl, Luke <laughs> Worthington. Hosted by Greg Rebell. 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And congratulations to Ronnie Jones-Perry, Mary Lake, and Cozy Burnett, all named to the All-WCC First Team. Mary Lake was also named Defender of the Year, while Kennedy Redding was named the Freshman of the Year. Lindy Haddock and McKenna Miller, both All-WCC Honorable Mentions. The Cougars back in action on Friday and Saturday, hosting the opening two rounds of the NCAA Tournament. BYU plays American Friday night at the Smithfield House. Okay, Ty Detmer is out as offensive coordinator. So let's talk about two things. What kind of timeline could be in play here for the hiring of a new offensive coordinator? And who is in the mix? In terms of the timeline, does BYU need to get someone in place in time for the December 20th through 22nd early signing period? It is a, there's always been an early signing period for kind of junior college guys and whatnot. Uh, freshmen that enroll in January, yes. But there are kids out of high school that can sign up uh, sign a letter of intent December 20th through 22nd, an extended December signing period. 
I would think that BYU wants to have someone in place prior to that so that they can try and emphasize that day, although I don't think it's a must. Well, I mean, I look at it this way. Just like the the future and the unknown are always positive. That's not true. Uh, doing something sooner rather than later is always better. I would think they would want to get it done sooner rather than later. Yeah. Whether, whether it's for the early signing period or just to have the decision made, certainly Kalani would want to get it done sooner rather than later and not draw it out. But, I yes. mean, but ultimately, it's about finding the right guy, and however long it takes Coach Satake to do that is however long it will take. Okay, let's talk about people in the mix. These names are out there. Let's go through them. Some, of you, some you've heard of, some you haven't. Dennis Simmons, Oklahoma wide receiver coach, former BYU linebacker here, having great success at Oklahoma. Bob Stitt, former Montana head coach, recently uh, released. Uh, known for powerful offenses up there. Paul Peterson, Snow College head coach, putting up a lot of offense there. Aaron Roderick, former Utah offensive coordinator, former BYU player, has been involved with the program a little bit this season. Norm Chow, former BYU, North Carolina State, USC, Titans offensive coordinator, obviously in the game. He was around the team a little bit last week. Daryl Bevel, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. I don't know that BYU could pay him enough. How would you feel about losing your offensive coordinator and getting your offensive I just, coordinator. I don't think it's realistic. We're just throwing <laughs> it out there. <laughs> Give, exactly. As a Seahawks fan. Yeah. Yes, yes. Kevin McGivin, offensive coordinator, Oregon State, former BYU GA. Okay. Uh, Gary Croton. What? Offensive coordinator, Stephen F. Austin. Would BYU bring him back? Jason Beck at Virginia. Quarterbacks coach. Obviously, former BYU quarterback, former BYU quarterbacks That's coach. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Grimes, LSU offensive line slash run game coordinator, former BYU offensive line uh, coach. Would he be the guy? So those are some of the names. Some of the names. Could BYU go to a first-time coordinator in this situation after giving a first-time guy the opportunity two of the last three times and it not working out? I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. It it, it all depends on what Coach Satake and the administration are looking for in the next offensive coordinator. Coming up, BYU women's volleyball getting conference honors. And he's healthy-ish. And he's in Studio B. BYU's leading scorer, Elijah Bryant. Is coming up next. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. That is right, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. If you missed the show at noon Eastern, watch the rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 Eastern. BYU basketball faces UVU Wednesday night all the way in Orem. You can catch the game live at 9 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Radio pregame starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. Cougars coming off of a nice comeback, dramatic, game-winning dunk win against UMass, one of the stars of that game. And the leading scorer on the team right now is Elijah Bryant. He joins us in Studio B. What's up, Elijah? How's it going? Good. We, we always have an empty seat for you. Really? And so it's great to have you in here. So this seat's just for me? Technically this seat oh. behind me. Yeah, one of the Merit Center chairs. <laughs> so it's great to have you in here. Thank you. Um, what was it like to come back in that game against UMass and, and win in dramatic fashion? That was quite the finish. I think it was great for our team. Just we're so young and being able to be down and come back shows us that no matter what type of game it is, that we always have a chance to win. So I think you get in those situations, you're like, dang, are we going to be able to come back? And we actually did it. So I think when we get into more situations like that down the road, it's like, look, guys, we already did it. So I think it helps us put down the road. So what was the uh, the whole trip to Brooklyn like? Because you're playing two games back-to-back, two different venues, in a really cool city, really cool environment, 
And to top it all off, you end up getting stuck in an elevator. It was quite the uh, three or four days for you guys yeah. over Thanksgiving. Well, we obviously planned on playing the Barclays both days, but that didn't happen. I think our coaches teach us a lot about adversity. So <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think with the, the LIU Brooklyn situation, um, we were just like, look, we have a game to play. Um, we were playing a great team. Let's play the game. And then with the elevator situation, that was just something that well, what really happened that hasn't been told is that when we first got in there, it was like 10 of us were like, oh, let's jump on three. One, two, three. So we jumped. <laughs> And what? The, the okay, <laughs> yeah. Safety safety concerns immediately. Yeah, the, yeah. Ele- the elevator makes a click sound. We're like, oh, okay, whatever. So then me, Peyton, Evan getting get into the elevator, leaving the gym. And right when we get in, elevator gets stuck. And we're just sitting there. You should have saw Evan's face. He's just like, <laughs> and it was hilarious. So we're sitting there stuck about 30 minutes. The firefighters come in and get us out. And they didn't really like me videotaping. But, you know, I had to do it for EB&J. EB&J. Let's talk about EB&J. <laughs> Not PB&J. EBNJ. So you and your wife have a YouTube channel, yeah. a vlog. Yeah. You're recording off to the side right now for the vlog. Right I've always wanted to be on your vlog, so this is kind of a <laughs> uh, you know life goal here. Tell us about when you started it and why you do it. Uh, we started it last, or I guess this summer. Um, it's just kind of a thing to document things. Um, I think the biggest thing is kind of motivate little kids. I have a lot of kids who will like message me like, oh, what can I do to get in your shoes? And it's kind of like allow them to see like, what goes on behind the scenes. I feel like everyone shows up to a game, it's like, oh, they just come to the game to play. They don't really see what goes on behind the scenes, like how many hours you actually spend and stuff like that. So I think um, this kind of sheds some light on that and allows not only little kids but fans to see what goes on behind the scenes because I love watching stuff like that. One of the things that's pretty obvious is you uh, you pride yourself on eating right. So how did the Thanksgiving go for you? It was hard. <laughs> I mean, it was hard because, I mean, we ate at the hotel. I mean, it was it was decent food, but it was buffet style, you know. So they had everything you wanted there, and I mean, you try to limit yourself, but then you got the big thing I'm on right now is um, balance. So you know, you have a little bit of ice cream, then you might have a little bit of salad. So I'm trying to ba- balance it out. Yeah. It's like eating like a 12 pack of tacos, but if you have a diet coke, you're fine. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Because <laughs> it was diet. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Elijah Bryan is on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, you played two games. Uh, two good games in two days. Do you wish you would have played Alabama five on three, though? Would that have been all right, Good given gosh. what happened the next night? I mean, I, I think we would have probably outscored them. They outscored Minnesota, I'm pretty sure. Unbelievable, 30, right? 30 to 22, and then I'm pretty sure Colin Sexton only had nine points at halftime and ended up with 40. So, yeah. Because Sheer Hardnett wasn't guarding him. Yeah, he wasn't guarding him. He held him to nine, or 10 the whole game. So I think if, if we had another opportunity with those guys, we would definitely beat him. So what did you take away from the two games? You split the two. Coming back, obviously a big game this week against UVU. What did you take from those two games in Brooklyn that you guys are going to use moving forward? I think the biggest thing is just trusting what we do. I think you get in those games and you kind of get everyone there, NBA scouts, you play top players, you kind of get like, well, now it's my time to like, I have to shine now. And you realize during the game that that, that, that won't work always, you know. So I think sticking to our principles and what we do will um, allow us to beat these top 25 teams. Concepts, right? (laughs) He's yelling, concepts from the sideline. Um, Before the final offensive play, let's talk about that one against UMass. Uh, Great play, Joshir Hardnett, pick from Peyton Dastrup into the lane. Yoli Childs dunks it. Were you tempted to pull a Jimmy Chitwood in the huddle and say, I'll I'll make it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, what what we were really talking about during that huddle, because Ryland came in and 
and pulled the three, and we didn't know who's going to shoot it, right, that play before. So the funniest thing about that whole huddle was that just she was just looking at Ryan like this the whole time. <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a funny play. It was a great learning experience for all of us, but that, that's the main thing I remember the whole time. One you can laugh about after the fact. Oh, yeah, it was a fun. We were joking the whole time after because we won the game, but right. we were just like, I mean, shoot with confidence, but dang. <laughs> that's yeah you got to be yeah. confident to be a freshman come in and shoot that oh, shot he's gonna make more in the future oh yeah he's gonna be really good that's for sure but what what did you see on that play because it was it was the perfect play yeah i i knew if Jashir got he's he's hard to stay in front of he got that that um screen and they helped and what i was looking for if my guy helped the ball was coming to me i knew it because if he dug down i was gonna be the open guy in the corner so i was getting ready to shoot and i saw my guy didn't help and then right after he made it, I'm like, oh, shoot, like, we have to get back. Because we just switched to zone. We haven't practiced zone one time. We switched to it during the game. Sorry, what? We, yeah, we switched to 2-3 zone. We haven't practiced it one time. <laughs> so you're, like, relying on high school principles? <laughs> no, but it, it, it worked. Um, so we didn't know if we were getting back in zone or man. And luckily the guy missed, so we came out with the win. So as we mentioned, you've got UVU on Wednesday night. After what happened last year at the Marriott Center, how focused are you guys on this game? Yeah, I think – I think this time we're more focused on ourselves just to bring, you know, energy, stuff like that. And um, as of with any opponent, we're going to take it like it's a top 25 team. Uh, but the main focus is to focus on ourselves and what we do well, stick to our concepts and our principles, and we'll come out with the win. What ha- what have you guys in the the early part of this season, what have you guys figured out that you guys think you do really well? What do you think you can hang your hat on right now? I think our high-low action, I think – like you said, again, our concepts are things that we've been drilling for six to seven months is kind of what, we, what we've what we been taught and what's kind of in our subconscious mind just to go back to and keep drilling that. And then when we get away from it, you'll hear the coaches get to your concepts, all that stuff. So I think that's our one. That's our few things that we're really good at right now. The Utah Valley game is so interesting to me, as you mentioned. Last year, obviously, they get to win in here. They make like 40,000 threes. It was a wild uh, situation. Now this is a huge event at UVU, and a little awkward if we're, if we're frank, former BYU assistant, three former BYU players. What's it like for you on the BYU side of the fence going into a game like that? I think it's just going to be a great, fun experience. I mean, obviously it's their Super Bowl for them. Um, I have some friends on the team at UVU, so I think we're just treating it like a, a, a regular game, at least trying to, and, and being able to stick to our principles in the game, because you know if your emotion gets to you, you start doing things that are out of character and stuff like that, so... It would be a great venue, a great game, and they have they have a great team, as you know. I mean, they went to those that toughest 24 and played really well in those two games, so I think we have a lot on our hands. What about for you personally right now? 18 a game, and I know last year was super frustrating to not be able to, to be healthy enough to kind of uh, be able to play the game you wanted. Now that you're at that point, how nice is it just to be able to go out and play basketball right now? Yeah, I think it's really nice, especially with the system put in. It benefits a lot of us. I mean, you get a lot of backdoor easy cuts where – you don't really have to work for the points. So some nights it might be my night. It might be Yoli's night, TJ's night. It's just who are they going to double down on Yoli tonight, and then he's going to kick out. So I think with our system, it can be anyone's night. That's what I love about it. How are you? Uh, how's your health? Because I know last year, obviously, you had a season-ending knee injury, yeah. and then uh, against UT Arlington, you got yeah. hurt a little bit. Yeah, I mean, my my toes, it's, it's fine. It's just annoying I have to wear the boot. I mean, it's way better than what I was dealing with last season, so I'm super grateful for that. Is this, are, are, you, are you closer to where you want to be in terms of health, and this is kind of where you are? Because like you said, Jason, last year we were like, what is Elijah Bryant yeah. like healthy? Is this more yeah, of what I you think, like? 
I think I'm still lacking a little bit of explosiveness, like above the rim, that type of stuff that's coming back slowly but surely. And that's a lot of a lot of that's mental. I mean, people who've gone through injuries have a hard time kind of, okay, my knee's fine, you know, okay, I can jump off of it. So I think that's the biggest thing I'm dealing with right now. All right, now the really important question. At what point are Jeremy and I going to be able to watch ourselves on your uh, YouTube channel? So this one, this one will probably take a while. You know, basketball season, married, <laughs> school life. I still haven't edited the one from uh, New York. So it'll probably be out in like two weeks, two weeks. Or so the, the one where the uh, fire department people yeah. are telling you, please don't film this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that one. Yeah. I noticed you're shooting uh, 43% from the field, 40 from three, and 90 from the free throw line. Are those close to the numbers you want to be at? Yeah, I think I shoot a little bit better from three. I think it's about taking smarter shots. And then um, as well from two, I think you get in the rhythm as a scorer and you – you get downhill and you see the basket and you don't your eyes aren't open to it and I go back and watch film like holy crap that guy was wide open and I think just um, free throw wise I think I'm where I where I need to be um, obviously I'd love to be a hundred but yeah I think there's always improvement on twos and threes as well. Let's finish with this. What's the key to an effective Euro step? Because you are the best on the team. <laughs> a Euro step. Uh, well, the first thing what I dealt with a lot last year was was charges. I couldn't I couldn't figure out because I couldn't really plant off my left leg how I wanted to. Um, so the biggest thing is just I see them ready to take the charge, and I'm like, shoot, I can't get a charge, so I'm going to get yelled at. So, I mean, it's step left, step right, and then get it high on the glass so they can't block it. And slow down yeah, a little bit, exactly. right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. that's good to know. I'm yeah. going to put that in my game. <laughs> Elijah, we appreciate the time, and we look forward to the UVU game tomorrow night. Thank you, guys. It's going to be a fun game to watch, and uh, BYU basketball at Utah Valley tomorrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Coming up, three all WCC team players for women's volleyball, and the Cougar Whip Around. It's coming up next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to our guests today, Blaine Fowler and Elijah Bryan. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Future guests include the one and only Greg Rubel, who, by the way, you will hear and see tonight on the debut of the Dave Rose Coaches Show. But until we get to that, how about we whip it? It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Yesterday, BYU head coach Kalani Satake announced Ty Detmer is no longer the offensive coordinator. Detmer was the OC the past two seasons. The search for a new offensive coordinator is underway. All coaches, including Detmer, remain under contract. The new OC will make the decision regarding the future of the offensive staff. Men's basketball. BYU Hoops plays at Utah Valley tomorrow, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Pre-game coverage with that man, Jason Shepard. Starts at 8 tomorrow. We talked to Elijah Bryant earlier in the show. If you missed it, download the podcast. Tonight, the debut of BYU Basketball with Dave Rose featuring Luke Worthington, hosted by Greg Rubel at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Volleyball. Ronnie Jones-Perry, Mary Lake, and Cozy Burnett were named to the All-WCC First Team yesterday. Mary Lake was also named Defender of the Year, while Kennedy Redding was named the Freshman of the Year. Lindy Haddock and McKenna Miller were both All-WCC Honorable Mentions. The Cougars will be hosting the opening two rounds of the NCAA tournament on Friday and Saturday. Friday's opponent for BYU is American at the Smithfield House. We can all root for them most of the time. <laughs> Today's Rise and Shout is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Who gets it? How about our uh, the Defender of the Year? The of the Years. The Of the Years, yes. Defender of the Year, Mary Lake, and <laughs> Freshman of the Year, 
Kennedy Redding. What was that pose? Uh, I was going to go like superhero. Like super I was going to go like super. It's Defender of the Year. Yes. Yes. Defense. I was. Of the years. Yes. Defend. It's so much better. They honestly. I wish it was Defensor of the Year. That's not bad. But instead of calling it, you know, you know, Defender of the Year should be it. That's really, that, that's a that's cool good. moniker. I like it. I like that. I like it. Our Twitter question, what is your reaction to Ty Detmer being relieved of offensive coordinator duties? Let's go to the Twitter machine. Tweet, tweet. It is a machine and it has Twitter. At Mailman Mark. The odds of being as bad as next year are so astronomically low, it will be 2020 hindsight to say firing Ty was the right move. It's an easy cosmetic solution to a deeper problem. That is an interesting thought. Are there bigger problems than just letting go of the offensive coordinator? Is there cultural issues on the team? Is, it, is strength and conditioning what BYU wants? Is the, I, I think that BYU is evaluating all things yeah. and has made a change. I are there other changes that need to be made? That's what Kalani Stocky needs to figure out right yeah, now. Yeah, those are all the decisions that are being discussed right now. We don't know if there's other things to come. Uh, at R. Scott Earl, it hurts so bad to see him fail, but the performance on the field was inexcusable. It really was. Uh, four and nine, not tolerable. The offensive num- numbers, not tolerable. 17 points a game. That, that's, that's just not what you yeah. think of when you think of BYU football. It was pathetic on offense, and BYU made a change that they feel will change that. Uh, and that happened to be the only Heisman winner in school history. At TX Colonel, if BYU wasn't serious about demanding top performance but instead was satisfied with a decent outing, BYU would have kept him. Making the tough decision about Ty tells me BYU is serious about expecting success. I, I agree with that idea. I think BYU is pretty serious about the changes that they need to uh, make. At our green hob. Bittersweet. I love Ty. He maybe could have turned the offense around if given a few more years. Unfortunately, it is a results business, and the results were not there. Something needed to change. Sad it was Ty, but our O was abysmal. Our lead tweet of the day at Ames Flames. Hashtag weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. <laughs> Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter. Don't forget, use the hashtag BYUSN. The show always on demand, BYUSN.com. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Sam Adams, who played basketball for BYU. I know what you're thinking. BYU Sports Nation, back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. And don't forget about a Super Tuesday tonight, starting at 6, 8 Eastern.